Welcome, friends. Thank you for listening. We are back for the fifth season of Trending in Education. Don't call it a comeback. We've been here since September of 2016, and uh, I'm super jazzed about the season that's about to begin, and I couldn't be happier to be doing it with my two uh, colleagues and partners in fun, Melissa Griffith and Dan Strafford. Melissa, welcome back to Trending in Education. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. I have a question for you. Yeah. Dad more fun or me more fun? Uh, I I think it's like a choose your own fun adventure. We all find fun in our own ways and we all are providing our own unique brands of the fun and the funny and also the informed, the learned and the earnest, all that kind of stuff, all the good adjectives we're providing them. Well, I've missed podcasting with Dan, so I'm glad I'm going to do an episode with him. Nice. Dan, welcome back. You're uh, you're one of the OGs. You've been doing, you remember doing this back in uh, 2016, back in the day. I do. Uh, crazy how uh, our little baby here has grown up so much over yeah. the years. Uh, Mike, uh, one, congrats to you for the run you've had of doing this on your own. Great episode yeah. over the past year. The conversations we've had over the years tie into the topic we're talking about today. I think the thing we've done really well over the years is uh, take the parallels, take the things that yeah. are on the outside and bring yes. them in. And I think that's what uh, today's topic does really well as well. Yeah, yeah. So with no further ado, today's topic is the Gartner Hype Cycle. So the Gartner Hype Cycle... 2020 uh, Gartner Hype Cycle, something we've been covering since uh, we started, really. It comes out every year, late August, and it did come out late August again this year. It's a, a summary of some of the more recent trends in emerging technologies. And then the hype cycle itself goes through these phases, which are uh, mapped to a curve. And, uh, and that's part of the whole story of the hype cycle. So that's how we got started. We'll talk about how different technologies and trends are on different stages, ranging from when they're first invented to when they peak and then trough and then come back at the, at the end. But uh, yeah, it's the Gardner hype cycle. It's fun. We, I think we generally feel pretty good about the work Gardner is doing here as well. Shout out to Gardner. We're giving you a free endorsement here, and we'd love to have folks representing Gardner uh, on the show uh, down the road. I think it'd be fun to dive in with some more depth. But yeah, Gardner Hype Cycle. Melissa, are you doing the Hype Cycle second I, time? I forget. I think this is the second time I'm doing okay. the Hype Cycle. Uh-huh. Yeah, any uh, thoughts? It's, it's probably easier the second time around. It's definitely easier the second time around. I was going to say for us newbies, do you want to talk a little bit about what are the five stages of the, the Hype Cycle? Yeah, sure. I'm going to do this off the top of my head, although I would recommend go to... Gardner.com, Smarter with Gardner. Smarter with Gardner. You begin with, I think it's called the inception trigger, right? Or the innovation trigger. Innovation. Innovation tri- yeah. Yeah. So that's when the technology. Dan and I clearly both have the cheat sheet up. Yep. So, yeah, right yeah. so that's when the technology first emerges and then it begins to rise along. Does that have a slope name or? No, it's the, the top. Yeah. And then it hits the top. The top is the peak of inflated expectations. And then from there, that's where we liken it to a roller coaster ride. That's when you go, wee all the way down uh, into the trough of disillusionment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you come back out of the trough of disillusionment and you begin to approach the plateau of productivity. 
I think yeah. it, interestingly, it also match matches my career arc. <laughs> to, to this point. I was going to make the same joke, or, or my yeah, or my love life. I don't know. Like you could, you know, put whatever you like out there. Yeah, it is an S curve, and most products and most technology follows this uh, S curve very yeah. similar to Simplistic. It really like the, the terms may not be they are a bit of a mouthful at points, but it's a simplistic curve, and and I think it maps very easily to what we expect to an extent of we have this first rise, you have an expectation, then you come crashing down, you come back out, or you don't. Right, the, the right. product disappears, or it continues to to grow. So I think to your point, what Gartner has done so well is map a simplistic view of a very difficult yeah. discussion. And mm -hmm. so we've talked in the past about the two to five years is versus zero to two and understanding yeah. the, the years out. But I uh -huh. think they do a really good job of trying to simplify this discussion as best they can. Yeah, because they do some groupings. It's also interesting in that we've looked at it over multiple years now. You can start to look at what's emerged and what's left from previous hype cycles, what's on in the first hype cycle. And there are some interesting trends that are COVID related as well, just around health passports and some of the new technologies that are emerging really in response to the, the pandemic. But Melissa, we could go into the groupings of the emerging technologies uh, next, unless we wanted to talk more about the shape of the curve or any other high level thoughts. The only thing I'd take away quickly for me is how they track things year over year. We've done it. Like we've talked about smart dust is one that always comes up yeah. when we discuss yeah. it and how things drop off and when they drop off. So mm -hmm. having someone from Gartner on to explain even further in depth, yeah. that I think yeah. would be great to understand year over year and, and how that process works. It's on their website. It's a dense read, yeah. but I, I think that's an interesting juxtaposition from year over year as well. Makes sense. Yeah, the only thing I would add is I, I think we, we've covered this already. I, for a long time, just even tracking trends mm -hmm. and how you track trends. And when you start saying something is emerging in, in 2015, people start to get bored of it. This is a good way to look at it because you realize that things are following a pattern before mm -hmm. they arrive. And mm -hmm. I think uh, you're going to see, and I'm sure Garnet's going to talk about it a lot as they, in their trends, is that COVID has accelerated a lot of trends, mm -hmm. a lot of things that have hit the the less than two years away have been accelerated by by the pandemic yeah and it's a related point i think and i don't know it, it, this would be an interesting question for gartner but also for us to think about is part of why those covid related trends are moving so fast is that there's been a ton of focus a ton of capital a ton of resources applied to those things the there are that is at a cost of what else could those resources have been spent on, I don't think anyone is questioning that this is a good return on investment. We need to get this thing reined in. But it is interesting to think through an alternative version of this hype cycle that had there not been COVID, which things are, which things are accelerated and then which things might actually be slowed down or off the curve. There's a lot of yeah. stuff I think more around maybe consumer behaviors, but even then I think some of that is accelerated. It's more like the, the idea of shared experiences and going out for immersive, engaging uh, experiences in groups, which was a trend that I had been seeing prior. I don't know whether it had shown up on the, the hype cycle as an example, but that's a trend that's actually facing yeah. a ton of headwinds. If you're doing escape rooms or if you're doing new movie theater experiences or any of the VR experiences that you would have to go to an arcade to, you know, and maybe like there's an arcade in a bar, those are all really facing headwinds due to the, the, yeah. the virus. But I think generally it's been an accelerant to anything digital because a lot of the 
the analog stuff that we engage with, I think is, is harder to do. Uh, but Melissa, I thought maybe to begin with, uh, in terms of the groupings, one of the things we were looking at grouped 10 strategic trends into two, two, two top yeah. level areas. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so they take their top 10 uh, strategic technology trends and they group them into what I think is a very, uh, it's a very smart grouping of the trends into some trends that are affecting, are very people-centric, like changes the way people work, live their lives, and then trends that are around smart spaces, which mm -hmm. is the big emerging, I think they even did uh, their own hype cycle around the digital space. And that's because that trend is being accelerated, it's one of the things that's been accelerated from, from the COVID virus. So mm -hmm. like, I do think it's interesting to see them. So I can list them out. I don't know if we want to talk about all of them. Yeah, on but the maybe just, just quickly, yeah. Yeah, on the people-centric side, there's, they, they have hyper-automation, they have uh, multi-experience, democratization, which I, I love to pronounce that word, but that's an interesting one that I think is going is, is super relevant to the work world. Mm -hmm. Human augmentation, and another one that is one of my favorite topics uh, is covered on this, which is transparency and traceability, especially around data and how data is being leveraged. That's yeah. on the people-centric side. Yeah. And then on the smart spaces side, Empowered Edge, which is way too technical for me, so maybe one of you guys can explain that. I think I have a broad understanding yeah. of it, but... I think it's just the internet of like internet of things have yeah. stuff done rather than have to go to like central servers. Yeah, it's right at the edge of it. Yeah, yeah it's a little, that one's a little, I think that one's pretty emergent at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, it's how I feel about blockchain, which incidentally is now more on it, like the practical blockchain. Mm -hmm. AI security comes up, automate, autonomous things again, and distributed cloud mm -hmm. are the ones on the smart space side. Yeah, and a lot of that is to allow yeah. for the design of, of spaces, Internet of Things, yeah. drones. It does get very Black Mirror, I think, when you start mm -hmm. digging into some of this yeah. stuff. Like, there is a lot of blurring of distinctions between humans and, and machines. And then, interestingly, one of the computing trends that I saw, I think it was in the other cut, was um, using DNA computing. So, moving and moving beyond silicon. And when they go beyond silicon, frequently they're modeling some of that design based on how human genetics and human yep. biophysics works. It is pretty interesting stuff. Do either of you have any thoughts on the, the opportunity cost around COVID? I would imagine we're going to move really far in anything biotech related, anything like helping with the, the pandemic response, clearly. It does seem like it'll be an accelerant to, to online learning, to uh, telemedicine, to anything that can be done at a distance. I also keep saying that I think Second Life is, is due for a comeback too. I think more yeah. really immersive. They talk about digital me or digital twins as an emerging trend. But are there any things that you think are falling off or are going to get slowed down? Like I, I know Gartner didn't really include that here, but are there things that you think are going to be ultimately moving more slowly or not reaching productivity or entering the trough faster because of, of the way the world has changed. I think you touched on a few of them before, Mike, of the in-person, even digital experiences that were happening. The, we talked about the virtual reality sort yeah. of process. Now, there are at-home virtual reality sets that you can buy. They're consumer level, but that is dependent on the technology you have in your home and the ability to connect those things. Mm -hmm. The emerging trend was those escape room, but also virtual reality rooms that yep. you go and experience something. And I think you're going to see more of a prosumer or even consumer focus there because that's where the sale happens. That, that's where now people are ordering from the Amazons and the Walmarts and all those things. So you may see almost a 
technology decline there because they're not investing on the high ends. They're not investing in that high end experience that someone is going to pay for at a place or with a group or with a, a corporate outing. They're buying the consumer level that doesn't need to be as good. It, it can still uh, surprise and delight, but at a much cheaper level. So I think the higher end of some of these in-person or in-person connected technology yeah. things will take a back seat to the consumer, like to, to reaching out to the individual or the family, let's say at yeah. home, who's trying to connect in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the, the thing that I'm interested in, and I think the verdict's still out on how this trend is going to be affected, is the trend that you're seeing a lot more in China, although Amazon had uh, just started doing it, which is the in-store you, you come into the store, but like uh, just using your Amazon account to, to purchase. Yeah. Those things where you're putting people into a place, I think are going to slow down, right? Like right. people, like those trends are not coming back. Like, I think Amazon was worried. A lot of the, the retail stores were worried that people were going to start buying more online. Mm -hmm. We're going to stop buying online in favor of going back into a store. And so they were hedging their bets, bringing warehouses closer. I think that trend has paused. Yeah. I think they will bring it back because truthfully, I, as somebody who is, when the pandemic started, I, I said, I'm fine with it. I, I can last this home for years. Yeah. Even I am beginning to feel like the effects of just being in the same place for, for six months straight and going on. Yeah. So I, there's going to be a set of trends that are paused will change the way they're done. Because yeah. I think people are going to want to go into a store, but they're going to want to have less contact with right. humans while they're well, in it. So those right, trends right. can be and also, like, that, that kind of reminds me of the, the smart spaces as well. Yeah. So the smart spaces, I think, are going to be more outside and then more managed through kiosks and managed yeah. through automation. And... Although I'm not touching anything. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Dan, you were trying to get in with something there? I think the point where you started going, Mike, the smart, smart spaces being outside, yeah. I think you're going to see a resurgence, and this is not technology-based, but in vacation house rentals and you yes. saw it this time like you're going to see these sort of and we yep. talked about it before getting off the grid yes. like trying to be as far away from people yeah. and technology as you possibly can and mm -hmm. that's the antithesis of what gartner yeah. is doing here right but i do think it's a counter trend it's that sort of pendulum swinging in the other direction mm -hmm. you, you do have to wonder if airbnb is going to move what well, one they're, pro they're probably moving to house trading Right. Legitimately just, I just want a different, to be in a different location. Look at a right, different right. wall for the day. Right. Yeah. I just, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the other thing that is interesting and Dan, you were touching on it is trying to model out how consumer behavior is going to change and how the context in which uh, social behavior is going to change. Cause it does seem like a lot of things that had been external to the home are now becoming part of the home. A lot of things that were inside are becoming outside. And yeah. a lot of things that were, Weak ties, big group are becoming strong ties, small group. And you can start to see some intersections among those things. So small group activity outside, I think is going to increase. And then what technology, user experience, et cetera, is going to be built around those new contexts. I think it's a really interesting way to reframe it. And I don't know if either of you have any thoughts on that. I, I find it Interesting. They talk about the smart me or a digital me and the uh, bring your own device, like the wearables. Yep. I've seen here this anecdotal, of course, but uh, obviously people like exercising. That's something that there's a large yeah. group of people like to go do and do in groups. Mm -hmm. And you saw the Peloton push and there are a bunch of other technologies that are in home, but I'm seeing more and more people out at the park mm -hmm. 
exercising together, bringing medicine balls, bringing yep. resistance bands, mm -hmm. doing that sort of cross training and CrossFit stuff. But in this open setting, again, Mike, to your point, mm -hmm. figuring out the way that connects, I know two of them were wearing wearables. And so yep. the, how are we comparison shopping there? Are, we, right. are they cross referencing their data? Are, there, are they part of a team that's connecting to Samsung or Nike or whoever it might be? Mm -hmm. And I think that from a consumer perspective yeah. is trying to find the right way for it all to fit together, yep. but still being safe, not going to a gym, an enclosed place that has poor yeah. ventilation. And we've all read that, but trying to find that right fit. And I don't know what Peloton's been doing and how well they've been doing during this process. Mm -hmm. I think that, and obviously winter, yeah. that as well. Mm -hmm. But I've, that's an intriguing, to your point, Mike, about being outside, mm -hmm. bringing it to the consumer itself right. has been the trend I've noticed locally of people getting together outside, distanced, but exercising together. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah although I don't know how Peloton is doing it. Right. The, the one that I think is really interesting, though, is... Swift, which I, I don't know if you guys have heard, because this mm -hmm. one, Swift picked up for me because I'm a Ukraine fan. It's finally back on. But a lot of what they've been talking about is these riders have been competing together on the Swift. It's like Peloton, except it's a virtual technology. It's mostly an app where you're controlling your avatar and you're competing against uh, other people. And so they've been meeting up and interacting on this device, similar to how they would do it. During the races, I'm in. I'm intrigued. There's one for there's one for riding. There's one for running. It's easy enough to do, and then you can interact with your friends in the same way you would in a park. And I think stuff hits on the trend of the the Internet of Things. That yeah, and the digital yeah. and the digital twin. The, the idea yeah. that we'll all be creating these digital proxies for yeah. ourselves, and then a lot of the the organizations on the other side yeah. will have models based on how we right. performed, and they'll extend those models forward to try to anticipate what's coming next. But I do think it's, it is interesting that those contexts, I, I think, are going to be shifting. Interesting things like uh, how do you account for, for the temperature outside in the winter? I imagine there's a new wave of technology that will emerge that will make outdoors more palatable and with good ventilation. Yeah. Same thing around air purifiers. And it's just an interesting time, I think, to think more about fundamental shifts to the environment in which all these technologies exist rather than just focused on the, the technologies, which is why I did like the idea of being more people-centric. And I think when you get people-centric, you have to understand those people's contexts are changing. Yeah. And then with uh, smarter spaces that are designed to respond to those new needs of these people, it just becomes a really interesting time to be thinking about architecture and to think about how technology and a physical space relate to each other. So Mike, in, in, on that sort of trend or vein or, or going down that road, uh, the big thing we've been reading about are learning pods, right? The idea mm -hmm. of like now that schools are very much virtual, yes. yep. how are we letting students interact or kids interact and get the yep. social training that we know that public or private schools allow for, but also how are we connecting the technologies for them to stream from their classroom, do right. async. And I, I think you just touched on that, right? The smart space for those with access. And I know this is a, a very specific money and access to internet and, and the like is a very specific part of this conversation, mm -hmm. but that's almost a modular classroom. How yep. can we implement is that a technology that is creatable that is a classroom in a box, right? right? Where someone can build this interface that allows for 
four or five students in a tented environment yeah. that has some sort of heat. Right. Some, like, there maybe are multiple it's, pieces. Like, maybe it's like a bouncy uh, <laughs> thing it, too, it, but yeah, yeah. Here's, here's where I, I'm challenged. The way technologies emerged, I, I think from this pandemic and even where we're heading is one of two ways. And I've been struggling with this. I am such a worst case scenario dystopia. I think I'm stuck in the home forever. This is a new reality between climate change and inability to do what needs to be done as humans. I legitimately think there are going to be a handful of people working on technologies to go to get us back into the world. And they're going to have a handful of people working on technologies that say now the new reality is we're stuck in our home. And so I think about shows, right? And this is where most uh, TV shows tend to go. So I think about even the Amazon's upload, right? I think one of the most important technologies that is it's going to start emerging is the ability to touch and interact and feel the, the physical connection with people mm -hmm. without actually feeling the physical connection with people. Like yeah, I think yeah. that's something that it may be, it may be, I don't know how far away it is. Yeah. But I mean, that's we already like, have gravity blankets. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but that's it, right? Because that, that's the thing we miss most. Mm -hmm. I, I, but people lock down by themselves. Yeah. I, I, I have a handful of friends that have told me they've been legitimately on all the dating apps so that when it releases, the next time the lockdown happens, they're, they're going to lock down with someone else, which is Yeah. I mean, the, the game theory, game theory about dating apps to begin with is fascinating. Yeah. But then, game theory about dating apps amidst a, a global pandemic is is next level interesting. There's probably, there, I imagine, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of graduate theses, doctoral dissertations. Yeah. Divorce numbers it. say differently, Melissa. That's all yeah. I'll say. Well, <laughs> I I think it's the grass is always greener, right? Because I think if you are single and by yourself right now, you're like, God, I prefer anyone. And people who are locked in with their spouses, are like, thank you very much. Right. <laughs> I think getting back to your point about the pods, Dan, too, yeah. like the smaller groups, like people, you have fewer people to interact with these days. There's, It's less likely you're going to just stumble into a stranger multiple times yes. over the course of the year. And some of those whether that's a hookup, whether that's just socially, whether that's at a conference, I get to meet someone who I have a conversation that I wouldn't have met otherwise. I think there'll be ways to approximate some of that digitally. And we'll see that start to emerge. But it's like the old uh, Harlow's Monkeys, the cloth mother versus uh, wire mother had the milk, cloth mother was soft. The the monkeys who had the the, the tactile uh, aspect of the cloth mother were better socially and they would go over to wire mother to get the milk but then they would come back to the comfort of, of cloth mother so it does seem like technologies we talked we've joked about this so maybe it's not totally joking but like we've talked a lot on when we talked about the consumer electronics show about robots and service related toys and and animals that are are comforting that you remember the aflac duck yeah. that was yeah. A robot that was used for children in critical care, children in, in cancer wards. The idea that we as humans have some very fundamental physical components to what we need. And a lot of those are being curtailed in a lot of ways by the, yeah. the pandemic. And then our comfort getting back into them. I have the same thing with a toddler trying to understand when it's okay to send them back to daycare. He needs the social aspect. He needs to be around other kids. But then there's also the risk of the virus spreading and uh, and how it's going to this whole concept of the second wave yeah. but uh, but yeah we're coming close to time so i want to make sure we give uh, to any of the interesting trends uh macro level that gartner was talking about they do reinforce the idea that we're in this crisis of trust yep. that we don't yes. really trust traditional 
ways in which things were federated. They, they believe that algorithmic trust will emerge. That's where a lot of the ways in which blockchain and another, other emerging technologies can start to win the day back. But I think there's still some risk there where we don't really necessarily trust the AI or the algorithms either. That I thought was a nice insight from them uh, as well. Yeah, you're referring to uh, the transparency and traceability and, yeah. and the trust. I think that one in, right now is going to be super important with everything that's going on from politics to the virus to just so much of our data yeah. is being like put online. Right yeah, now the, the, the idea, the, another trend is the health yeah. passport. Yep. The health passport. The health passport like, is going to say a lot about me and my health. Do I trust how that data is governed? Do I trust how it's exposed? What it's used for? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I think we always talk about this when we do it, is to talk about this is talk about Facebook. And are mm. they even now, Facebook just announced that they're making more changes coming out. Is it enough at this point? Because once you lose the trust of the consumer, do, mm -hmm. are you able to, what are you going to do? How transparent are you going to be to get it back? I think right. And I'm not sure Facebook's there yet. Which takes me back to the idea of the, the learning pod or if yeah. the, cur the curator, the trusted guide, the Sherpa, if I know one to 20, one to 30 is the cap, yeah. mostly digital, maybe a little pocketed, you know, in person, it's maybe three to five, five to 10 for special occasions. If those are the ways in which we're going to come together as humans, how do you design for those contexts? Because it does feel like entirely new categories are going to emerge. And then I still think with the crisis of trust and with the over digitization, a lot of that's going to be about yeah. almost like a tour guide, like just finding someone who's federated, who you trust, who understands like good protocols. It's just going to help you navigate your life. I don't know. Maybe I need to become a tour guide. This yeah. is my, uh, it's a break. There you go. I, yeah. I just, when you said the five to 10 people in person, I just remember the arguments over who to invite to my wedding and that was 150 people. So I right. can't imagine the, the yeah. sort of process you have to go through now. Yeah. The, the multi-experience for me was one that mm -hmm. I just want to make sure to, to touch on as I, I think we've talked so many times about the cross-section between robots and AI yeah. and human beings. And, and Gartner has done a very good job. And I think plenty of other studies like this have shown the same, that it's at bringing together our, our good friend or good foe, Elon Musk with the-, the Yes, Neuralink. Neuralink. We got to do our Neuralink golf clap. Yeah, Reprise. yeah. So they're talking about specifically here, not that humans getting more robot, but the robots getting more human-like. And Melissa, yeah. to your point, yes. the multi-sensory touch points, right? The idea of how do they interact the right way? They have dominoes as an example mm -hmm. of the yeah. multiple ways that you can interact with this brand now. Yeah. I, I just think that we're seeing that. That is a now yeah. trend. Mm -hmm. And now is it fully AI? Is it fully baked as a computer? No, we're seeing it as humans and AI. Yeah. I think that's just such a huge one of how we interact with the world and how we interact with learning, how we interact yeah. with business and money and politics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, I think they did a great job of summarizing it. And that's yeah. one that I'm definitely going to be tracking personally and professionally as, as we move forward. Yeah. And then, and then thinking about it as educators, how do you train people for the emerging blend that's going to happen between humans and artificial intelligences and artificial agents and autom auto automation? And at the same time, there still will be this hunger for shared experience with humans right. and, and more human contact. Yeah. What's the next generation of the service industries, like the, the bartenders, the, the restaurant, the, the baristas? Are people still going to find them, but outdoors? Any final thoughts, Melissa? 
you've conjured so many things right now for me. One, for me, I'll say a couple things. One, we always talk about how education is ripe for disruption. The way a lot of education was so caught on their back foot with this pandemic says yeah. this it is ripe for change mm-hmm. we ha- we have not figured it out yet so i like all these trends and how you incorporate them into education i, I think is good the other point that you raised at the very end there that i, I don't have a coherent thought on but is very interesting is around bartenders mm-hmm. uh how does that world evolve bartenders we stuff yeah. what does that service industry look like yeah. in- in the yeah, even retail. We're a service economy first and foremost. The tourism industry, yeah. a lot of it's really driven by good people skills that is face to face. I don't know if there's going to be a corollary, but it's well, the expectation yeah. of those people too. So we did eat it indoor at a restaurant, and we were allowed to take our masks off, mm-hmm. but the waitress had to keep hers on. Yeah. And it just it, that's a very interesting transaction. Now, obviously, to eat. I need to yeah. bring my mask down. I, yeah. I fully recognize that. Not although, change that. although Gardner wasn't on the Gardner hype cycle, but mask flaps are coming. They are. But that just, the expectation of the worker versus the purchaser and like where yeah. the social norm sits yeah. isn't yeah. a technology, but is just a, yeah. an evolution. Yeah. And so Melissa, to your point, that's something I grapple with every time I go out and I'm yeah. trying to interact with people, what the, the social norm is right now. Yeah. And yeah. employee rights is another, I, mean, I think yep. labor is going to get activated in interesting ways in addition to the types of walkouts we saw in the NBA, but more just for personal safety and for other concerns. It's a time where folks do need to get organized, I think, just to, to protect themselves. And the dynamics are going to be tricky because frequently the employers are are going to be cutting jobs at the same time. So yeah. So thanks. Thanks again, uh, Melissa. Thanks, Dan, for being back. Dan, going back to 2016. We got to look back uh, over the years, one of these one of these days as well. But it's been a fun run. And we're just heating up. 2020 is going to be a crazy year. This is our first episode of uh, this fall season. And I imagine between now and December is going to feel like a lifetime for, for a lot of us and lots of new and emerging trends, lots of news and activity coming down the pike. Uh, but as always, thank you for listening. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, share it, tell a friend. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. Trending in Education.